0: Well, on the high school recruiting front, Oregon's been pretty quiet recently. I think the explanation is pretty simple. Here we go.
1: You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Use code Locked On College for $20 off your first Purchase. We got a jam packed recruiting show today, and I want to thank our recruiting sponsor that being LinkedIn jobs. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. We've got Brian Smith, our locked on recruiting insider here at the network. It's been a minute, Brian, so let's just dive into a plethora of topics here. I think the explanation. As to why Oregon's high school recruiting, which, you know, it's got a couple of Oregon fans just kind of looking around, going, Well, what, what's going on? What, what are we doing here? I think the explanation is pretty simple. And that's that the class is basically full. You answered it. Most
1: schools are in the same boat South Carolina, you know, Washington, whatever school you look at, five players are left. That's pretty much what's there. Then all the private calls trying to flip somebody that nobody knows about. That's what it is. Uh, like, I cover Miami, I cover Florida State and all the schools in the South. Almost every kid that I talk about on a podcast now, it's because they're trying to be flipped by another school. There's only a handful that aren't committed. It's just the way it is. So it depends on your perspective. But yeah, there are like 23 commitments. Oregon should not have many left. And uh, that's pretty much where we're at. So let's see if the Ducks can get a couple more flips to finish out the 24 cycle.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, you know, the transfer portal is open. It doesn't remain open forever. It closes on January 2nd. Now we can debate whether or not the schedule uh, makes a lot of sense in that regard. It certainly does not, but that's the way it is. You've got early, the early signing day, which nobody asked for, but we got a couple of years ago anyway, and it's just utterly ridiculous in, in my view. But when you have that early signing day, that means you have to get kids committed sooner as Oregon has And when the portal's open right now, you got to strike while the iron's hot, and that's where Oregon it feels like is doing most of their recruiting. Because, like we said, the class is mostly set. So I look at it and go, feels like the right approach is to be focusing on the transfer portal because that's where that that, that's the only work that's really left to be done for the most part, other than making sure certain kids maybe don't get flipped, which we'll get to in a moment.
1: I think you hit it on the the nail on the head because you don't want to be fighting on both ends. You need to have your resources aligned with the portal. You don't know who's going in all the way. I mean, you'll have some idea, but with recruiting, it's just high school recruiting. It's open-ended and you got all this time. You recruit the main kids for over a year. So if you're done for the most part by early November in Oregon, basically was, that's why you can reap the benefits with the portal. Their, Their resources are being spent with phone calls with kids that are now trying to transfer. So, and I'm sure a lot of them were probably recruited by Oregon out of high school or junior college anyway. So that's also very helpful. The only thing else that I'll add with that is it's kind of weird because every school I look at, they're having these visits this next weekend. You have portal kids and high school kids on the same weekend. It's I wonder how that works. I I, I don't know. This is so new. I don't. I've been around recruiting a long time, but I have no clue. How do you how you do you mingle them? Do you keep them? I, I don't know. What what's the best approach? So I'm looking yeah, because to-
0: I, I I feel like most of those kids are operating on completely different timelines, right? Yes. Unless like, it's
1: a kid that was a freshman and, you know, he's only been in school one semester.
0: Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like most kids, you know, who are coming in via the portal are trying to play right away. And that, and that's kind of the whole purpose of them coming in via the transfer portal is to fill an immediate need. Whereas high school, you're, you're oftentimes building for the future, right? Even if it's a highly rated kid. You know, Oregon's got uh, linebacker Devin Jackson on the roster who had a nice season, was a regular contributor for the Ducks. But this was his – I think second year. And this was the first time he played, you know, meaningful snaps and he did so. And he had a nice year and, you know, made some impact plays, but that's completely different than bringing in, say, you know, when Justin Jacobs was visiting from Iowa, whereas he came in and once he was healthy, he was a full-time starter right away. So I agree. I think that's a little odd because usually you want to put kids together who, you know, are going to maybe play together, right. Or try to line that up as best you can.
1: You would, the only thing, like with some of these, some of the guys could overlap in the sense same position. That's, that's the other part. If they're some from the same high school or the same coaches recruited them, there's some other connections where you can put them together. But Oregon recruits so nationally, uh, maybe more than anybody, to be honest. It'd be harder, wouldn't it? I mean, Oregon's job is as hard as any staff in the country, in my opinion, for what they're trying to achieve winning a title what do they sign two kids a year out of Oregon or whatever? So it's
0: two or three. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Yeah. It's rough, but I don't know how you align it, man. I think it's kind of open-ended, but that that's a portal discussion. That's probably trying to be figured out by staffs all across the country because there's not enough evidence yet to have a complete answer.
0: Right. So one guy that is at the top of the minds of, Many Oregon fans and pundits out there is Walter Nolan, who I'm sure is a guy that you covered when he committed to Texas A&M two cycles ago. Uh, I believe it was. He's in the transfer portal. Oregon's had him on campus for a visit. What do you know about his recruitment? He was the number one defensive lineman in his class uh, in the 2022 cycle.
1: Watching Walter Nolan run past you is like seeing a freight train come off the rails. (laughs) I mean, I've seen him play live in pads. I've seen him run around in shorts and move around like a linebacker at 310. I, mean, I, I don't know what you want me to – he's an animal. He would play right away and arguably be Oregon's best player. There's really no discussion point on that. As far as recruitment, it is as wide open as it can get. SEC is going to be hard to beat. That's where he's from. He's from Tennessee. I'm sure the balls are trying to get him, Georgia, etc. Oregon's kind of the wild card, though, and when I saw that he visited them first – kind of a red flag went up and I'm like, okay, maybe Walter just wants to do something different. Cause he's got his, whatever, where he wants to go. I don't know what the, the top pick is. Everybody that I've spoken to has a different opinion. So I've just kind of taken a hands-off approach because I want to know too, cause his recruitment will be wild. You just can't teach his skill set, man. He's an interior defensive lineman with natural pass rushing skills. Those are the rarest of the rare.
0: Yeah. And Oregon is right now about to lose almost all of their interior defensive linemen that contributed this year. You've got Brandon Dorlis going to the NFL, Popo Amavai, uh, I'm sure will try to play in uh, the NFL. Sam Taimani has done. Casey Rogers has done. Those are your top four interior guys this year. We don't know what Jordan Burch is going to do just yet, but lining up Jordan Burch next, next to Walter Nolan, you supplement with all the young guys that came in in the 2023 class and also the true freshmen who played this year, guys like Mateo Uyongole, Blake Purchase, and Tatum Tuioti that's got the makings of a really good defensive line but Nolan would would certainly fit into that calculus. Another recruit and this one is from the high school ranks that's kind of popped up on Oregon's radar recently as a potential flip target is Dylan Gresham, the wide receiver. Now one of the decommits that I've gotten questions about over the last few weeks has been Jordan Anderson who was an early 2024 commit for the Ducks but he he's since decommitted. Oregon's going after some portal wide receivers I think to kind of fill that particular void but Gresham said he's committed to the Ducks. Do you think that he's being sincere in that regard?
1: In portal season, I don't think the word sincere should be allowed to be spoken without <laughs> some type of harsh punishment.
0: <laughs> oh boy. I have no
1: interest in believing anybody. Okay. I, I don't,
0: not at all. That's, so, that's if all he's, so, so even if he says, like, I'm still committed to Oregon, which, you know, he is verbally and he, he's a high school kid for, for the class of 2024. But even then you know, flip season is, is right around the corner. And that's one that, you know, duck fans should uh, maybe be on watch for.
1: If you're taking phone calls, you're not committed. Simple as that. And do you really think he's not taking phone calls?
0: No, probably not. I mean, if I were a high school kid commanding that much attention, I would probably have a hard time uh, ignoring phone calls as well. One thing that Oregon fans have, have a tough time with Brian is something that we have, have got to talk about and will likely be a recurring off season topic here on the show. After, of course, we talk about game time, which is always a recurring topic here on the show, because when you're buying tickets to your next big event, you should not have to worry. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive, all in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees and you buy tickets in two taps. It takes just a few seconds. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. That's locked on college for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, Brian, so this is an often-discussed subject recently amongst Duck fans, and it's the quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Is Oregon ever going to develop another quarterback? Is it just going to be a transfer every single year? So Dylan Gabriel is going to be the next Oregon quarterback. Everybody's aware of that. Dante Moore could very well be on the roster and could be a developmental piece for 2025 and, and, and potentially beyond. This question came in. Mailbag is always open to all of you out there. YouTube comments or Twitter, if you want priority, go become a member of the Locked on Ducks subtext community. Link is below. This question came from Brian. I thought we'd lead with a question from Brian for Brian. At what point do we stop wasting scholarships on young quarterbacks who, through no fault of their own, aren't ready to play at high Division One level and just continue to bring in experience-proven college quarterbacks? I hate what the portal has done to the development of kids, but I don't see us not being in a win now situation year after year. Having a total rebuild year would be a total failure of using the tools provided now to reload thoughts appreciated. Brian, I'll turn it over to you. Brian Smith. That is.
1: Thank you. It's a great question. And this is something that Oregon fans should be talking about in Texas tech, the Maryland, everybody else. Yeah. You're going to eventually have a year where you're going to go with the guy but he's probably had to approve it for a year or two on campus and through practice. And you've just seen it. He knows the playbook front and back, but unless it's that dude, I agree with your guy. You know, you still recruit high school kids. They transfer, they transfer, but you take a transfer quarterback every time you can. If the kid leaves that's younger, goodbye experience at quarterback. I've said this on this show and every other locked on show that I go on, it is not replaceable. Look at it this way. Drake may he's good. He even redshirted. I mean, it's just – it's the by far – there's not even a third place to how hard it is to play quarterback and everything else because they got to know where everybody is. It's just ridiculously difficult. Then, of course, the training itself to play quarterback when you have large men like Walter Nolan that want to rearrange your dental work and you're trying to complete a pass at the same time, it's not friendly. It's a hard spot. So I take the transfer kid, 10 out of 10, and you recruit the best kids you can out of high school – If you keep one or two on the roster, it's a bonus.
0: So my my initial reaction to, to these sorts of questions has been, well, if, if you're a program like Oregon, that is going to have thanks to the portal a year by year, all in mentality and they're capable of doing so we see the way that they recruit, you cannot build an entire roster through the portal. Just ask Colorado. It takes time. You have to have classes with quality players stacked up on top of one another, but Oregon definitely has to keep recruiting at a high level from the high school ranks, but for the quarterback position, you know, I get so many questions and comments about, are we just going to take a transfer every single year until the transfer portal changes? I don't see how there aren't going to be good quarterbacks available every single year. And, and no, I don't think from now until the next, you know, for, for 20, for the next 20 years, do I think every Oregon quarterback, Will have been a transfer? No. But do I think a majority of them will have been? That is entirely possible. And I think when you look around at the biggest programs in college football, Brian, not all of them are taking quarterbacks, but a lot of them are taking quarterbacks from the portal. You look at Michigan, for instance. They recruited and developed J.J. McCarthy. Ohio State recruited Kyle McCord. And guess what? Kyle McCord's the reason they couldn't beat Michigan this year and Michigan had the advantage of you know, allowing McCarthy to sit for a year. It's a case-by-case basis. Jalen Milrow is a developmental guy at Alabama. Carson Beck is a developmental guy at Georgia. On the flip side of the coin, Joe Burrow was a transfer to LSU. Justin Fields was a transfer to Ohio State. Bo Nix was a transfer to Oregon. Pennix was... I think you have to just assess the landscape and go with whatever the best path forward is, whether that's a high school kid on the roster who you want to have available, or whether or not it, or whether it's a transfer, and I think both are perfectly capable of succeeding at a high level.
1: I think that's a pretty good way to put it. it. It'll change every now and then. There's going to be a kid in your state that's a special player. You recruit that kid, and sometimes even one that's under the radar, like a certain guy that plays for the Chargers that used to play for the Ducks.
0: Hmm, it his just name happened. had popped into my head too.
1: You know, that's. I mean, sometimes that happens. It's they didn't really think he was going to be that guy. Let's not kid ourselves. He didn't get an offer until real late, if I remember right.
0: But Yeah, as, it was pretty late.
1: Quarterback's hard. O-line and quarterback by a billion miles are the two hardest spots to evaluate because it's more about above the shoulder than it is the biceps and how fast to run. So I can watch them run around with the Under Armour combine and do some throws and all that, but because you don't want quarterbacks to get hit because injury a quarterback, even the littlest thing, complicates things, we can't really evaluate them except for in-season – against high school kids, most of which aren't as good as them. And it makes quarterback recruiting just impossible to rate it consistently. Tom Brady wasn't super high. I mean, he had offers ended up at Michigan, but wasn't super high. And these are just over and over again. For every Peyton Manning that we all knew was good out of high school, there's 50 other guys that made it to the NFL that were like two three-star guys. It's hard. So I agree. If it's the portal, so be it. If it's not, so be it. Make your own judgments on what you see. Every now and then, like one out of three or four years, I bet Oregon's quarterback's the guy they recruited. But because kids have no patience, like Thompson, you know, Thompson the portal. What do well, you think? But, you even, but I mean?
0: even Ty Thompson was patient. I mean, he's been on and Oregon for years, and he still, you know, and he this, clearly improved,
1: but not, not enough.
0: And, and, and if you look at it from the coaching staff's perspective, it, it, you know, if you're a fan out there who's a little bit more old school like me and has that gut feeling in your stomach of, Man, it feels wrong. Ty Thompson put in the work, stayed amidst the coaching change, two head coaches, three offensive coordinators, got better, waited his turn, and it was taken away from him to be Oregon's starting quarterback because there is a better guy available via the portal. I I feel that as well. But if you're the coaching staff, what is your obligation to to us as fans? It is to put the best product forward every year you possibly can, and if you have an option – no matter how it you know might feel, it's not like they're doing anything illegal here by saying, hey, Ty Thompson, you can be the backup or you can hit the transfer portal. If you have the opportunity to be better at quarterback or have a known commodity back there, it's really hard to go to a coaching staff and say, hey, there are fans who would like for the sake of old school feel to give the young guy a shot, even though you have seen this guy every day in practice and you know the incoming guy is better.
1: There is no friendly answer there. You know, it's kind of like the free agent acquisition in the NBA. for certain teams that have more cachet and just bring in guys. It's not fair to those other teams. Well, that's not going to change. It's not like the Lakers aren't going to have more money than someone like Charlotte or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. the way it is. Same kind of deal. Um, yeah. You have to take the better player. So that's just where we are, brother.
0: Yeah, we, we still have plenty to get to on the show. But another player that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, kind of the last big name, I think, in the high school ranks who was uncommitted that Oregon was looking at. And that was five-star offensive tackle Jordan Seaton, who has chosen to go to Colorado and, and Deion Sanders and play for the Buffs. And I imagine he's a plug-and-play day-one starter, whereas at Oregon, he's probably a year-two starter. He's maybe a jumbo excuse me, a jumbo package guy in year one, but he would not, I don't think start over a Johnny Cornelius or Josh Connerly who were both really good for the ducks this year. Do you think that's what it came down to? Or was this just, you know, one of those things where, Hey, Colorado made a better recruiting pitch in Oregon.
1: With Dion, I never want to say any one thing because he can recruit. Uh, and a lot of the kids just like the cachet with him, but Oregon, I mean, Lanning's a great recruiter too. So I'm gonna guess that he's a guy that just found the fit with Dion better. I mean, I know Jordan a little bit; and he's a good dude. I don't know what else it could have been because Oregon doesn't really get out recruited. They're one of about five to eight staffs that kind of do it differently because they put so much effort into it. I'm guessing it's just he liked Dion. I, I don't know, but I mean, playing time maybe because like it takes a lot of guts to know that you're probably gonna start. Or at least have a great chance at it. Left tackle, well, I mean, Colorado, left tackle, Colorado had the
0: worst offensive line in Power 5 this year.
1: Probably did, but do you want that responsibility right away? And I know, Jordan, he's very confident in his technique, and he played at IMG. I mean, he was coached legitimately, you know. But I give him credit if he thinks he can go in and just go walk into the Power 5 and start balling. But at the same time, that's, that's what he's going to do if he goes play for the Buffs.
0: Well, I, I think one other thing to keep in mind there is – I heard that he was still – or Oregon was still tr- going to try and get him on campus for a visit. And let's just follow the name as the early signing window uh, comes around, which is what day, by the way? We're coming, we're coming up on that kind of quick.
1: Six days from now, the 20th.
0: 20th. Yeah, we're recording the show on the 14th. Gosh, it's that soon already? My goodness. It is about to be flip season, which we get to talk about here on the show with Brian, of course. We get to talk about Prize Picks 2 which is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. That's it. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. Want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. With the basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. For example, you can do LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. All sorts of fun stuff, so go check them out at prizepickscom slash college. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Brian, a few more questions to wrap up today's jam-packed recruiting show. This one from Nathaniel. What are we missing from the last two classes if we want to contend nationally? which I think Oregon already does. They haven't won at the rate we want them to nationally, but they're certainly competing nationally. Who does Brian like from the 2023 and 2024 classes? That is an expansive list to say the least. Now I'll I'll start here because I assume, Nathaniel, that by asking Brian, you also wanted to ask me. Obviously, obviously. I think it's easy to start at the top of the recruiting class and look at you know, Aiden Briel and Elijah Rushing, the five-star defensive linemen that, that are coming in. I think a guy who's kind of flying under the radar is Sioni Laulea from the JUCO ranks. List is a four-star transfer in 24-7 sports. Oregon's going to have a need in the secondary next year without Kyrie Jackson and you know Triquest Bridges no longer on the depth chart either. So that's a name that that I would certainly look at. But as you peruse, we'll, we'll start with the 2024 class and then pick maybe a name or two to pop from 2023. As you peruse the, this incoming high school recruiting class, Brian, who, who are, you know, maybe one or two guys that, that you are really high on aside from the obvious, you know, Breland rushing, those guys obviously have massive upside.
1: Well, I was going to say rushing and and a quick point before you go into names, position matters. Like it's really hard to play O-line at at the power five right off right off the bat, because it's so much technique. Same thing with, with quarterback. With that being said, somebody like Malaylee, somebody like that, uh, I can't pronounce his name, the kid that's committed from St. Francis, the other corner, outside the numbers, guys, corner, receiver, safety, any of those guys that come in with their head on straight, the elite-level talent that Oregon's going to bring into this class, thumbs up. They have a chance, even if there's depth there, because you got to rotate guys – Cause you're in nickel and dime package constantly. You need a gazillion corners. Nobody has enough corners. Kirby doesn't have enough corners. So that would be where I would start. And then anybody at running back because running backs get hurt and running backs also rotate again. It's a package kind of deal. You're going to have Oregon. Obviously he's famous for fast running backs anyway, but that guy in the slot, who's the guy that can play both spots. The versatility guys will hit the field first period and in either class.
0: Yeah, the corner that, that you didn't want to give a shot at with the name is Ifeo Obadegu, who was uh, one of the okay. early commits, or earlier commits, I'll say, for, for the 2024 class for the Ducks. He is high school teammates with former Oregon commit Michael Van Buren, but uh, he's no longer committed. It's just Luke Moga in in the cycle, who Dan Lanning and Will Stein had an in-home visit with uh, not too long ago. Uh, and, and Moga, I actually heard, was going to – enroll early and be on, uh, be practicing with Oregon ahead of the bowl game, I don't know that there's a greater sign that he is definitely all in with the Ducks.
1: That is a new trend, and this is something a kid that's going to Auburn told me. A kid, last year, one of the kids going to UCF told me, here's the deal. If you would play, and I don't know if they're even eligible, they could lose their year of eligibility or something. I, I don't know how that works, but you're allowed to go to the practice, and at least you gain the routine mm-hmm. you understand the – it's an advantage. It's only a handful of practices. It's not a big deal, but you still have the mentality. This is what it takes. It will set those young men up for what's a lot harder and they don't know it yet, but it's coming. And that is is off-season conditioning. Those kids that just <laughs> mutilated people in high school because they went boom. Yeah. That goes away real quick. The big guys, especially. I have horror stories that I cannot repeat on this podcast about that. But <laughs> it's it's coming, brother. So you might as well get used to at least making the uniform look good.
0: Yeah, I I think that uh Brian could probably give a 45-minute podcast of great stories that, you know, don't necessarily belong on the airwaves here at the network. But maybe I launch my own podcast and say this is R-rated just just for the stories that that Brian could tell. But uh, going to the 2023 class, you know, we we saw impact true freshmen this year. Tatum Tuioti, Blake Purchase, Mateo Uyangalule, Iopani Lalaulu, by the way. You were talking about how hard it is to play offensive line as a true freshman. Poncho, as he is so nicknamed, has got to be the front runner to replace Jackson Powers Johnson at center. He was the backup center for the Ducks this year. He was a regular player at guard. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you'd uh, seen that, Brian. I don't know if you were studying the offensive line rotations for Oregon this year, uh, as in-depth as as I was, perhaps. Were, were, were you not? No. <laughs> what are you doing, Brian? Get get on it. Get on it, man. Come on. Come on. Figure it out. But I, I think a couple other names uh, to watch from last year's class. Uh, the lone player who finished as a five-star recruit, Jerry on Dickey, was a late enrollee at Oregon, so he wow. didn't have spring football. I fully expect him to pop next year. I, I think he could be What's one of Oregon.
1: What's or what can he play? Because like I remember his film, he was all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean he's an inside-out kind of guy. He can line up anywhere on the field. I think he's probably most suited to be an outside wide receiver. He's you know six three two ten, but he's so fast that he you could put him in the slot as well and. If you're talking about candidates to replace Troy Franklin and the production that Oregon got from him, I I think Dickie'd be at or near the top of the list. But you know, Cole Martin as a defensive back played as a true freshman. That kid is going to be an all-conference caliber player. I talked about the pass rushers as well. I, I would look at you know the defensive linemen, the Ashton Porters, the Terrence Greens, the Johnny Bowens of the world. I don't know what mix of those guys are going to be the biggest contributors on the interior of the defensive line for the ducks, but I think there are good, there are some good players in there. But one guy who I think we've talked about before, Brian, is Kenyon Sadiq, the mm-hmm. tight end. Yep. I I I like that guy a lot. And I mean, he was, you know, a number four tight end for the ducks this year. So saw a little bit of action. I think he could take a big, big leap, especially if Terrence Ferguson goes to the NFL. I'm super high. I thought Sadiq looked the part this year and could be ready to, to have a big season next year.
1: Well, the, one of the biggest things that you'll hear commentators commonly say, a running game is a quarterback's best friend. Well, his second best friend is a tall tight end in the middle of the field that's an easy throw. Mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel is a guy I know from when he was at UCF, and he's a smart guy anyway. He's going to find that guy. He threw the tight ends quite a bit at UCF. He'd find a way to do it with Oklahoma, et cetera you're open he's gonna get it to you so if your guy is that guy that you're trying to say he is why not yeah dylan does not care if you're open you're getting the ball if you're not looking you'll get hit in the head so i i would expect there's an opportunity there for him to have a really big year and if they've got that much speed at receiver here's the other thing for sadiq He's always gonna get a single covered that's that's stealing brother that's stealing
0: yeah, I, I like, you know, they gave him the ball on fly sweeps this year. I looked at that and went, sign me up. Sign, he had the big That's block awesome. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just don't see that. You just don't see that with tight ends very often. I mean, he you know tried to hurdle a guy on, on, on one of the runs he had. I, I think he's a uh, fantastic. But uh, this question came in as well, Brian, from Blazer Duck. Uh, the early signing period is just a few weeks away, now a few days away. In the recruiting world, who are the flip candidates we should be keeping our eyes on And more importantly, what are you hearing about them, Brian? And any idea of, you know, flip targets or position targets even that Oregon could go for? Or does this stuff really get kept under wraps?
1: It's a 50-50. I won't go into a name, but there's a certain person who has a mom involved in another school who sent an invite to one of my colleagues to say, hey, if you want, come to our commitment ceremony. And she knows that that guy is a diehard for one school. Well, we kind of know where the kid's going. So outside of those kind of circumstances where the mom just lets it out of the bag, for the most part, it is pretty, pretty quiet. Now kids that I've known forever won't take phone calls kids that I used to see on the recruiting trail. If I see them, they're, they mom. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's where we're at. The kids want to have their own day on national signing day and it's whatever. But at that same time, because Oregon again, recruits from Boston to Miami, Miami to Houston and Houston, to LA, etc. I would say there's probably 10 different guys that Lanning is trying to flip. Can they get one? That's kind of how I look at it. Cause they've had a gazillion guys visit. I just don't have any idea which one it will be. It would not shock me if it's somebody that even somebody like Wilt Fong didn't know Dan Lanning may not know right now because the decision's literally not made. That's the other part. There are still kids to, despite being committed. Are they really how much, if you're still taking Dan's call, how committed are you? You know what I mean? So do not be surprised at anything that the Ducks get on National Signing Day.
0: I had one more mailbag question, but I think we're out of time for today and we'll save it for for next time because it warrants a a full answer from you, Brian. So appreciate the time. Brian Smith is at Scout underscore Florida on X, formerly known as Twitter, brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As always, our Locked On Recruiting Insider here at the network. Brian, thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. Take care.
0: Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.